From lunch through to tea, this is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. This is SENZ Afternoons with Staffy, Stephen McIver and Sammy in the seat driving you home. Well, at least till 3 o'clock, then the run home comes your way from 3 to 6. And just nothing but the best of the 80s. I want to say the best of the 80s and 90s today, but I can't say that because we're a talk station. But got to love it, right? you got to love the 80s. It's that one decade that if you didn't experience it, you missed out on something. 204, we're going to talk to TJ shortly about the Bledisloe Cup. They're a rugby championship match. All Blacks looking good, 2-0. and uh, Wallabies 0-2, and, and all the talk is about, oh no, don't worry, Eddie can Eddie can produce a miracle. Well, Eddie's not playing. So we'll get TJ's read on this, and he's one of the smartest brains when it comes to uh, rugby going around. He's a good bloke, too. Uh, before 3 o'clock, we'll go across the ditch. We'll bring you what happened back in this day. How many years ago? We'll, we'll find out about it. One of the facts today is actually about the Wallabies, so that's something to look forward to. And we'll give you a chance to being, being, doing, show me the money! Show me the money. Well, I wonder if the Wallabies can show Eddie the money uh, tomorrow night from 9.45 live on Sky. TJ, Tony Johnson joins me from Sky Sport. Hey, TJ, nice to talk to you again. Hey, Stephen. Uh, Eddie. Eddie's not playing as young Wallabies are. Did they have a shout? Oh, yeah. It, it's actually almost got to the point where it's just getting a little bit blah-blah, really, isn't it? Yep. The whole Eddie routine. I mean, you know what he's doing. We've seen it so many times before. There's nothing new about it. Uh, I mean, you know, you look at He's been in vintage form. Firstly, having a crack at the journalist in South Africa. Uh, and, and fair enough, you know, the guy had probably sort of slightly misused his quote, um, but that, that sort of take attention away from his team. Uh, and he's trying to put the heat back on New Zealand. I'm not sure that the All Blacks uh, will even be aware of what he's saying, and if they are, they, they've seen it, you know, all before. So, uh, look, this is a, a really important game for Eddie Jones. I think he's been probably had a bit of a, a honeymoon period, two test matches just to try a few things out. They haven't really worked. Uh, but he knows that if they can win the Bledisloe Cup, uh, which is it looks a bit of a long shot at the moment, it's a massive boost. And, and he's quite right to say that it would have a deflating effect uh, on New Zealand, although how it could make our economy any worse than what it is, I'm not quite sure. Um, 479 for a cucumber, TJ. 479 for a cucumber. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mate. Carry on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... You know, he knows how important this game is, and he's trying to sort of dial up the pressure on the All Blacks, take it off his own team. Uh, but the, 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 the fact of the matter is, it's already going to, you know, come to a head when they take to the, the Melbourne cricket ground tomorrow night. So for the great unwashed like me, uh, Carter Gordon to start with um, Tate McDermott. Uh, yeah. How, how, how big a risk is that in a, in a, in a theatre of 80,000 plus? 
Well, I, I actually like it, Stephen. I, I think that's that's his best combination. I think he's tried a few things out. Look, I, I, I wouldn't be quite as critical as uh, Quade Cooper of Quade Cooper as some people have been mm. recently. Um, but I, I'm not sure that that was ever going to work. He, he's kind of been out of the zone for for too long. Nick White, we know now too, is just I think it's too volatile, oh. too easily put off his game. And I, I think he's gone. He's made the right cho- choice here. Um, Tate McDermott, he, he's been around for a wee while now. He's a tough little rooster. Uh, he, he can have a dab down the blind side. He can serve his backs. He won't kick the, the leather off the ball like um, Nick White's been trying to do. But the guy outside him, Carter Gordon, when I first saw this kid um, a <clears throat> year or so back, Stephen, I just thought, I'm not saying he's the next Stephen Larkham. You'd have to be a great player to be that. But there are things about his game that remind me of and a young Stephen Larkin, when he first came on the scenes with the Brumbies, playing as a fullback, he's got a bit of daredevil about him. He's not frightened of anything. He's a fearless defender. He'll take the line on. The only question I'd say is that why didn't he go with this earlier? Why has he waited until the Bledisloe Cup to, to put this combination on the field? I think it's his best 9 and 10. And I definitely think that this is the best 15, the best combination that he's selected so far this year. Where do they get exposed? Well, I think the, the, one of the problems that they've had is that because uh, they have, I guess, thrown tradition to the wind or moved their own goalposts or whatever you want to call it and picked a bunch of players from overseas, it's taken a while for those guys to get back you know, in, into the rhythm of, of yeah. rugby the way it's played in, in, in this part of the world. Now, I've always felt that the Wallabies with Samu Karevi at second five or inside centre is always going to be a better team. And and I think if he can find his feet, get back into the groove, then he's going to make them a dangerous side alone. Will Skelton is starting to show signs that he can be a force. I, I, I think um, you know that they have definitely got, uh, with a couple of games under the belt, there's the potential in them to be a better side for this game. Um, but, but having said that, they're not going to take the All Blacks by surprise. Um, and, and if they don't start well, and if they don't prevent the All Blacks getting away to a good start like they have in the previous two games, then I, I think it's game over. Can we talk about the All Blacks' start? Because I was talking to Patrick Tuipoloto in the last hour, trying to get a read on what are we seeing? Are we seeing a change in philosophy, or is this just the way they want to play this championship? Or uh, this is the way they're going to say, this is how we're going to play, and you get used to it, because watch out, World Cup's around the corner. What do you see yeah. and what do you know? Well, what, what I see is this is probably now uh, the effect, you know, some of the, change that, the, the changes that they made last year starting to kick in a bit, um, you know, that we saw an immediate impact of Jason Ryan. But I think, too, um, this is a World Cup year. In World Cup years, you need a strategist. And that's why we're wary of Eddie Jones, because he's a great strategist. He's the master of the one-off. Uh, knocking a, a favoured team out of the semi-final or w- whatever it is, um, but but Joe Smith is is a very good strategist, and I think they've had a long uh, think about a, a few aspects of their game. One of them being that for, for a, quite a while now the All Blacks have been such poor starters that they always seem to be conceding at the early initiative, and well they appear to have patched that up. But also they've changed their attacking structure, Stephen. They they've uh, they've gone away from a very sort of rigid pod-based system, and there's a bit more of a flow to it. Mm. Um, 
you know, that, that yes, they can, they, they're trying to punch their way through. And there's a nice variety about that. You know, there's some good direct running from the forwards and from, from uh, Geordie Barrett, but there's also some nice loop around movements that sort of managing to, to draw, draw uh, the wide defenders in, create space for the wingers. Uh, you know, I'd say that, um, you know, they have a really good think about things uh, over the last year or so. Um, and, and what we're seeing now is maybe just some of it starting to come to fruition. It's still very early days. There's still a hell of a lot and more important things to come. But you have to think that the early signs are promising. So now, now Tony, you know I don't follow it as closely as you do, but I, I, I noticed and I spoke to the lads in the office. They said, what the hell's Bowden Barrett doing at fullback? And, and one, one, of them, well, one of them just said, well, it's about flexibility and uh, availability to have someone that can go into another position if required. Yeah, yeah. I think having two players capable of popping up and being the first receiver, uh, and, and I know that in, in rugby league, you know, you, 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 it's nice to have someone either side of the ruck or yeah. the tackle, you know, um, and, and I think they can interchange uh, and I think, you know, they're, they're grooming Damien McKenzie for a similar sort of a role. I think they've decided that Richie Maunga is their number te- the best number 10. I think they decided that some time ago. They decided that, you know, last year once and for all. And and right from the word go, uh, I think Ian Foster was flagging that they, they did see uh, fullback as the place where probably Bowden Barrett could make the best contribution. His ability to read the play from the backfield, uh, to come up into the line and stay there and be that second receiver when it when it's on, uh, so that they've got two playmakers. So you're keeping the opposition guessing. Um, and look, you know, to me that was always a bit of a risk. Um, but but I think you know now that they you know they're, they're sticking with that that same combination, they're giving it a chance to really grow and develop. And and, and so far, look, it's worked really well. And Stephen, I know that everyone or a lot of people say, why aren't they playing Will Jordan at fullback? Will Jordan, you know, is it, it, fullback's his best position. To me, I don't think it matters where Will Jordan is as long as he's on the field. It doesn't matter whether he's at fullback or on the wing with a roving commission to pop up wherever uh, there might be the, the semblance of an opening uh, to come into the midfield, those sorts of things. As I say, it's early days, but the early signs are that, that, that it's a structure that's working. Wow. So so Will Jordan, for you, is the All Blacks X factor? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, just one of them, too. I mean, it's, it's not just him. Okay. I mean, we know what a dangerous uh, runner Mark Talia is. You know, Barrett's still got that searing speed uh, that he can come in, you know, on the inside channel or out wide. Uh, I think also as well... Um, they, they've they've uh, they've decided that Geordie Barrett probably for the moment is is their guy at twelve. Uh, obviously, David Havili and uh, Anton Leonard Brown have been off the scene, and I I think that Geordie Barrett has taken the opportunity. And again, you're growing a partnership with with Rico Ioane, so I'm actually quite pleased to see them stick with that same formula, that same combination, by and large, that they've used for the first two tests of the rugby championship. Yeah. Uh, give it, give it, give them time on the field together, uh, but then you know you've also got some really good spare parts to come in, if 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 if, if need be. How big a deal is this weekend's game for Anton Leonard Brown if he's to get game time? Oh, look, I, I, I he'll be part of the picture. I, I don't have any doubt about that. Uh, he's an experienced player. He's versatile. Uh, he can play twelve. He can play thirteen. And at a pinch, you play on the wing. Um, Look, he 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 will definitely be as long as he's fit. He's going to the World Cup. 
And I think probably um, David Havili as well. Um, the only thing I'd say is that at the moment they've, they've got a they've got a spare, haven't they? Um, they've got one more than they need to go um, in the mix. So someone's going to someone's going to miss out. But I, I think when it comes to World Cups, you know, experience, hardened experience, and and game now yeah. of the sort that Leonard Brown and Havili can bring, plus the versatility. Uh, I, I can't see them them missing out unless um, you know something happens injury wise. From what you have seen, how excited are you about the potential of seeing Cam Roygaard uh, get his first cap? Well, I think you know you go back to uh, what are we talking two thousand and seven, and I know that was a World Cup campaign that ended in disappointment, but I just think of the way that uh, Brendan Leonard burst onto the scene around that time. Uh, there's nothing quite like an exciting new halfback who's, who's Brave. He's got the ability to run. Uh, he's also got a heck of a good uh, left foot on him. Um, and and I, look, I think I think it's great. Um, I, I'm, it, they've made it pretty clear that their one two con- their number one is obviously Aaron Smith. Friendly Christie appears to be number two. But to me, Roy Guard's a guy uh, who who could you know make an impact. So good to see him get his opportunity. Um, obviously, it, it's a position where we always seem to be flush with it with a few good players, but. Yeah, it'd be great to see him get some game time. Uh, I think he's got the game to be, and also the the top two inches, to be a good test player. It's funny you talked to about 2007 because I heard Graham Henry speak, Sir Graham, for the first time ever. I've never heard him speak before. And he he raised this... I know, mate. So has he ever said, uh, when you've heard him speak, that they just simply got complacent in 2007? No, I think... Look, you know, it's interesting, you know, who you talk to... um, there were there were sort of aspects of of what they did that that didn't work, and he'll admit they made some mistakes. I mean, oh, he said they got the complacent. Old, uh, he said they got complacent. He said they got complacent. They had reached this level, and they were you know all the things they were putting in place were fine, but they got complacent. Yeah, it's interesting um, because I, I think they were. They, they never quite decided. I think they got complacent in terms of the fact that they had a big squad, but they could never quite figure out who their best 15 players were. Um, they got complacent because they thought um, that the strength and conditioning program they'd done would give them an advantage, when in fact it turned out to be uh, a disadvantage because players were coming down with athlete-type injuries, you know, pulled muscles, strained calves, that sort, that sort of thing. And also, but there was another factor, and, and the late... Uh, so Brian Lahore was always of the belief that one of the things they didn't do right uh, in 2007 was sort out who was doing what the following year. And, and, and leading up to important games at the World Cup, you had players trying to decide uh, what, what they were doing next year, whether they were going to sign for this or do that. They were, and and that was, I, I still think that was, that was one of the biggest lessons that perhaps has never really been debated, but it came from Brian Lahore. So, I mean, it's easy, you know, Ted, in hindsight, he can admit to those things now because we all know what happened the next time they went to the World Cup and the time after that. Yeah, and he said he was quite happy they were re-signed after 2007. How much do the All Blacks win by, or does it, is it close? Yeah, um... It's it's hard to, to to predict because if they're able to make a, a, another good start, then I I think that they could win it by you know ten plus. Um, but then if the Aussies draw them into a scrap, 
I'm, on a side note, Stephen, I'm very pleased to see that we don't have a French referee. <laughs> uh, because having seen, I called off the tube, I called the Samoa-Japan game last week, and Matthew Reynal was all over the place again, and they had the TMO coming in, and, and it was just an absolute dog's breakfast. And I'm thinking, oh, God, here we go. It's World Cup year again. The inmates are taking over the <laughs> asylum. So I'm, I, I never thought I'd ever say this, but I'm really pleased that Wayne Barnes is refereeing this game because he'll keep a cool head uh, and we won't have some bizarre re- eruption over a refereeing, uh, ad hoc refereeing decision made in the, in the 81st minute or something like that. Unless the ABs um, lose. Yeah, well, tr- <laughs> maybe, yeah. But look, I, 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 I think... The Aussies, for them, this is a pivotal game. This, this, they win this, and regardless of what happens in Dunedin, it gives them something to really grab onto ahead of the World Cup. I think the All Blacks will probably understand that as well. There's a lot of uh, there's a big psychological swing in, 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 possible in this game. Uh, look, I, I just think the way they're playing at the moment, and the fact that to me the Aussies still haven't quite, they haven't settled, they haven't got. Um, their, their structures and their game plan and Eddie's influence still sort of coming into it. Um, all those sorts of things. I'm, I'm not quite sure that they're ready for the really big one. Your uh, Blacks know they win this, uh, then, then it's a sweep of the rugby championship and the Bledisloe Cup uh, it stays put. And then they don't have to go to Dunedin and worry about having to absolutely win that. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I just think on the current form, you have to think that the All Blacks are favourites to win this one. And and I think probably the margin is like 7 to 12 points maybe. Um, you're, being very you know, gen- you're being very generous, TJ, but it's always a treat talking to you, mate. Uh, what are you calling this weekend? Is there much going on? I'm actually, uh, believe it or not, um, I've, I've got a few um, sort of panel gigs and I've, I've got a, I'm, I'm on breakdown on Sunday and I've got a thing and I'm, I'm actually, on Saturday night I'm speaking at a, on behalf of the Prostate Cancer Foundation. Good which, man. As you know, is uh, yes. something I, uh, well, both of us uh, very much are uh, involved in and uh, then I'll go home and uh, sit back and watch uh, our guys do a great job of covering the test on will, Saturday night. Will it be the cheeky red? It will be. Uh, yeah. Can definitely. I can I can I throw one out? This is not an ad, but I bought one at Pack and Save the other night. I'm a, not a rare drinker, but if you want something that's quaffable, and you know what quaffable means, I tell yeah. uh, Nineteen Crimes. Uh, it's a Cali Red, and it's got Snoop Dogg on the label. And mate, really? Yeah. And I tell you what, you'll buy a dozen. It's as simple as I that. I don't have any of that in my in my cellar. Well, it's not really a. <laughs> it's not the cellar That's type. That's because I don't have a cellar. That's because uh, I don't have a cellar. <laughs> <laughs> have Snoop a dog. No, I, don't, I never thought I'd be. No. Well, no, okay, mate. Seriously, seriously, you will thank me because you won't have to okay. think about it when you drink. You go, wow. Okay, now bring the cheese. TJ, have a great <laughs> week. Great weekend. <laughs> See ya. Tony Johnson from Sky Sport giving us his thoughts. 7 to 12. That's what he thinks. Wow. Tighter than I would have expected. 222.